You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1345 of the Lots of Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening, November 9th. And today's podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find a qualified candidate you want to talk to and to help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. And I also want to thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube on the video side. And today's show is going to be myself diving in to what became a 125 to 119 home loss for the Hawks at the hands of the Utah Jazz. Uh, before the season started, I would have told you this was going to be a very bad result for the Hawks against a Utah team that was projected widely to be rebuilding the season. But uh, in better context now, the Jazz are 10 and 3 on the season. So a little bit less of a disaster that you might imagine. Uh, this game wasn't quite as bad as that home loss to Charlotte or the embarrassing blowout loss at the hands of the Toronto Raptors. But still, the Hawks were in position to win this one at, at different points, especially in the second half, leading by as many as 10 points. And in the fourth quarter, bit them a 40-29 to 29 margin in the fourth quarter. And the winning streak that the Hawks had up to three games is now over. They fall to 7-4. and four on the season so far still in perfectly fine shape at this stage but they lost three out of the four quarters in this game they were behind the eight ball for i would say most of the night not the entire way but certainly the majority of the evening and they were not able to sort of close the deal because because in large part the bench really struggled trey young really struggled and uh, that's kind of the context that i want to get through and at the top of the podcast kind of dive back in now to what transpired so if you are a new listener first of all welcome aboard and i appreciate all of your listening at this stage as well as uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy what you hear or watch on this show but um Basically, if you're a new listener, what we do on the show uh, after games is going into the pregame context, kind of putting it all in play, how the game flow went, and then also some broad takeaways from the game itself, the stats, all the analysis that you're looking for, as well as some player takeaways at the end of the podcast. So as I kind of mentioned briefly, Utah has been stunningly good to open the season. I argued preseason they'd be actually pretty competent until they started really selling off parts for their rebuild. But even I, who was pretty pretty reasonably high on the Jazz in their current form. Uh, they've been much better than I thought they, they were going to be this year. They were 9-3 coming in, the top three offense in the league, and a bunch of competent veteran players. They're also well-coached, I think, by Will Hardy in his first season. So this is not a disastrous loss on paper, but still you're at home and you were favored in the game if you're the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young returned in this one. He was, he was listed as questionable after missing the game on Monday. And uh, for what it's worth, David Millen said after the game that Trey was a little bit winded during the game. Uh, he was sort of attributing that to the fact that he was not able to really do any any sort of training the last couple of days because of the leg injury that he's been battling. So maybe some context there, but Trey came back and only McDonavich was out for the Hawks in this game. Utah was also healthy, which is also worth uh, keeping in mind here for context, but the Hawks were favored. Our friends at Bet Online made the Hawks a three and a half point favorite in the morning. And by the time this game tipped off with Trey in the lineup, the Hawks were favored by five or five and a half points. So not a huge spread, but certainly the market viewed the Hawks as the better team, at least at, at least at home in this spot on a regular rest situation. And uh, Utah upended that in a big way. So we'll get into the game flow now, but certainly, again, broadly speaking, not a disaster, but not a, not a great result either for this Hawks team that should probably, you know, quote unquote, should have won this game at home. Um, Early going, the, the big story in the first quarter was the free throw shooting from the Utah Jazz. So 
on defense after a sort of a pseudo lob from Trayon Capella for the first bucket for with his left hand of the night. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, who's having a great season, by the way, for the Jazz. I've always uh, kind of liked Laurie, but not like this. He's been really, really good for them. He drew three fouls in the first four possessions. He took six free throws in the first 110 seconds of the game. And as a team, the Jazz took 11 free throw attempts in the first four and a half minutes of the game. That is a huge number for that small period of time. Now, on the bright side, it kind of slowed from there. In fact, the Jazz, quote-unquote, only took 24 attempts in the game, which is a little bit more than you would think. But after 11 in the first four minutes, that's a pretty acceptable result. Uh, but Utah was winning this game for about four minutes without making a single field goal. Uh, the Hawks did actually quite well against Milwaukee in preventing free throws, and they did pretty well again in the last like three and a half quarters. But that first five minutes was kind of a rough one in a big way. There was 2,000 John Collins, which I think maybe explains part of why he played a little bit less. But uh, one of the reasons why I argue against kind of auto-fouling out players is that John Collins finished with two fouls. He had two fouls in the first three minutes, finished with two fouls. So not really a reason to take him out of the game, but they did that at that point in time. Uh, rotationally, it was uh, interesting. It was kind of similar to what the Hawks have been doing for a while now with one small tweak. Um, it was Justin Holiday, It was Jalen Johnson. It was a Kong Wu and Aaron Holiday all played in the first and third quarters. AJ Griffin appeared to start the second and start the fourth. So there was a little bit of a thought that uh, the Hawks may not, may not use Griffin in this game. That would not have been going over well with the Hawks fans. I know that. But um, they did try to have him out there in both halves. That was a list of more of a solid role for AJ after his breakout performance on Monday. So it was a 10-man group the Hawks played in this one. Um, Utah had their first run of the, of the game, sort of a 7-0 run mid-quarter mid, mid in the first, go up by nine points. The Jazz were 4-12 from the floor, but up by nine because they made a couple of threes. And again, the free throw shooting was uh, certainly dynamic for the Jazz. The Hawks showed by as many as 11 in the first quarter. And at one point, Laurie Markin had 16 points and the Hawks had 15 points. So he was outscoring them for like 10 minutes in this game. 15 points in almost 11 minutes for the Hawks. That's a really, really rough offensive start. They were 7 of 24 from the floor and 0 of 4 from 3 at the outset. Trey Young missed eight of his first nine shots. He had a bad night offensively by his standards in this one. Um, there were uh, some jump shots strung together at the end of the quarter from Justin Holiday, from Okongwu, and then from Trey for the final seven points of the quarter. And the Hawks were down by only four points at the end of the first quarter. They had an 85 offensive rating in the first with 10 of 29 from the floor. That was a rough one. As I said before, the Hawks lost three of the four quarters in this game. They did. They actually played pretty well defensively in that first quarter. The Jazz only really used the free throw line to their advantage, but the things definitely leveled off from there for the defense in this game. Uh, elsewhere, the rest of the first half was kind of owned by Utah for the most part. Uh, the Jazz had a 12-2 run early in the first, sorry, early in the second quarter to go back up by 12 points. Justin Holiday had a couple of uh, big plays, hit a three, had a nice closeout that he uh, sort of turned into a runout dunk. But he was uh, probably the only small bright spot for that Murray plus bench unit, um, which has actually been pretty good so far. You know, coming in the night, I actually tweeted this during the day on Wednesday. The Hawks have been very, very good with both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray on the floor. They had been pretty good with DeJounte and no Trey, and they had been disastrous with Trey and no DeJounte this year uh, so far. It's obviously a small sample size. In this game, the Murray no Trey minutes really, really, really cratered, and the bench units were really bad for the Hawks. The bench has been kind of hit and miss. And by the way, of course, famously, if you watch the game on Monday, the bench was probably the number one reason why the Hawks won that game, headlined by Griffin and Johnson, et cetera, and Kongwu, but they were really bad in this one. So it was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing compared to Monday night. The Hawks were down by 15 points in the second quarter. The Jazz had 24 points in the first six minutes 
of the second quarter. They had made nine of 14 from the floor in that period of time. Um, the only shot by Edgy Griffin that was made in the first half was a three to stop the bleeding, but even he was only one of four from the floor, and the Hawks got smoked in those minutes. It was, it was minus 10 in like six minutes from that bench unit. Um, later in the first half, Trey Young took a really bad shot with like three minutes to go that was kind of one of those like you know head scratchers with no rhythm. You know, Trey has an ultimate green light, and I definitely want to stress that. I think there's been a lot of panic about Trey. I don't share, and we'll come back to that later on in the podcast, but he was bad in this game, let's just say, and he took a pretty bad shot there. He was 2 of 10, like no rhythm at all, took a contested pull-up three. That was a tough one. Of course, like right after that, he threw like a, this gorgeous like 50-foot pass to DeAndre Hunter for, uh, for a three-point play, but if you're picking on Trey shot selection, that was maybe exhibit A in this contest. The Hawks were down by 12 with two minutes to go. Got it down to six briefly at the end of the first half, but then uh, a three by Kelly Olenek gave the Jazz a nine-point lead at the break and offensively it was pretty rough in the first half they had a 104 offensive rating only took 13 three-point attempts in the first half that's not enough five free throw attempts both of those numbers were too low the entire game in my opinion they did 15 assists in the first half which is pretty good um jean Murray had 11 points holiday had had 10 um trey found it a little bit at the end of the quarter and then the second quarter when he was still only three or 14 in the first half of the game and again, the Murray minutes minus 15 for DeJounte in that first half. Not really his fault. It was just the bench units were uh, really soundly outplayed. And then defensively, it was pretty rough all the way around. I thought the Hawks were really good in the third quarter, which we'll get to in a second. But especially in the first half, I thought the uh, even the bigs were not very good for the Hawks. Like Kongwu, Capella, um, even Collins was not his not quite his best uh, at the rim. And then point of attack stuff was really kind of a mess at the, in the early going. Plus the foul was early. The Jazz actually missed a bunch of shots from floater range or might have been worse. Utah had a 114 offensive rating in the half court. So basically just to make it simple, the half court, you're usually a lot worse because, you know, basically transitions to your high leverage spots as an offense. So to, for the Jazz to have a 114 offensive rating, which is already above league average for it, overall since having that in, in the half court is like super duper elite and the Hawks had, t- had trouble getting stops. Utah made six more threes and 11 more free throws than the Hawks did in that first half. And that's a bad, bad recipe for Atlanta. We'll come back to what happened in the third. And uh, by the way, the second half of this game was basically the ultimate positive in the third, negative in the fourth. And uh, that was kind of a flat result overall. But when the Hawks went into the break losing, they had to win the second half and they did not do that, so at least not in decisive fashion. But we'll get into all that stuff and more coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn, and these days, every potential hire is a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team. They do it faster, and they do it for free. I've had to hire a few times in the last few years, and LinkedIn Jobs has proven to be an awesome resource across the board. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post LinkedIn Jobs, and they have high-quality candidates that you need to locate to make the best possible hire. Then once you're set up, you can add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're actually hiring. LinkedIn Jobs has simple tools like screening questions to make it easy. Focus on candidates, which is the right skills and experience you can quickly prioritize. You actually want to interview and eventually hire. You want to finish the year strong and finding a new team member that is up to your standards is a key piece of doing just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors and they help you find the best candidates that you want to talk to and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, and right out of the halftime break was the biggest haymaker of the night at that point for Atlanta. A 14 to 5 run to immediately tie the game. 
uh, threes from John Collins and Trey Young. Clint Capella was a man possessed in the third quarter. He had six points and five rebounds in less than three minutes to open the third. And he had 16 rebounds in his first 60 minutes of play. He was really, really good. He took a charge. He had a block shot. He was really flying around. And offensively, the Hawks scored in their first 10 possessions of the second half. That's one heck of a run to go from basically down nine to up six by the middle of the third quarter. Uh, Murray carved up Kelly Olenek on a switch and finished that with a pretty fancy layup at the, at the rim. It was a very smooth play from him. And overall, it was a 32-13 to 13 run from Atlanta to go up 86 to 76. The Hawks were 14 20 from the floor at that point with six offensive rebounds. So in that entire stretch, the Hawks only had one empty possession. It was was in the first eight minutes. So basically eight minute stretch, the Hawks scored on every possession other than one. that was a turnover. So it was really excellent work. And uh, they reached a lot of high highs in this game. That really, that was really their only time in the whole game when they really were dominant, but they were dominant for a while. Uh, the rotation, though, got a little bit tweaked because the Hawks played their starters that entire time because they had been rolling and they wanted to let that roll. But uh, then the bench unit came in. And as I said before, the bench unit really struggled in this game. It was uh, pretty ugly stuff. A 9-0 run immediately when the bench came in alongside Trey Young. Not a Hawks thing, but I wanted to mention this as, uh, as a guy I talked about a lot over the summer during the draft stuff. Walker Kessler, the rookie center from the Jazz, who's actually a local product to the Atlanta area, made a fantastic block and then sprinted full court uh, beating everybody down the floor for a dunk. He was really good in this game for the Jazz. Just wanted to at least flag that as a basketball observer. But uh, Trey scored the last four points of the third quarter when he kind of kind of needed that, honestly. But the Hawks you know, were still in rough shape uh, at times when he was uh, not having his, his, his own str- strengths in this game. But um, even with that huge run, the Hawks only won, I say only, only won the third quarter by 14 points. Now, they should have won it by probably more than that. And uh, I guess that mattered at the end of the day because the Hawks were up by four, uh, sorry, up by five going into the fourth quarter, and it wasn't enough. Um, again, I don't want to restate it and overstate it, but the bench units did not work in this contest. It was a 10 to 2 run to open the fourth quarter by the Jazz. Uh, a big swing in the middle of that was that Jalen Johnson had a catchable lob that he could have finished, wasn't able to quite do that, and then Utah hit a, hit a three on the other end of the floor to take the lead. That was a big swing. The Hawks trailed really the entire way after that. They were one of seven They were one of seven from the floor with a turnover to start the half. Uh, sorry, to start the fourth quarter. And uh, at that point in the game, I think it was almost this case, almost the case the entire way through, but uh, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnson, uh, Justin Holiday and, and Aneka Kongwu were all minus 18 or worse at that point in the game. So like, not, not, that's not to say that any of those individual guys were just terrible on their own, but that unit just did not work in this game. No matter whether it was Trey or DeJounte with them, it just was not functioning. Um, they came back with Collins and Hunter after that stoppage. Probably waited a little bit too long. Uh, in fact, they waited way too long for Capella to come back in. That, that I did not understand. I thought Capella had pretty violently over, uh, sorry, outplayed Kongwu to that point. And Capella was so good in the third quarter that they waited probably three minutes too long to bring him back in the game. But no matter what happened, the Jazz kind of opened it up a little bit from there with an 8-0 run. Uh, Trey and Murray both missed um, shots near the rim in the middle of three straight buckets from the Jazz. And that really kind of flipped the game in a lot of different ways. So after a timeout, Trey did have his best stretch of the game offensively. He had seven points in a row to kind of paper over some of the struggles a little bit and improve his efficiency in the game. But also defensively, Mike Conley went, went by him twice in a row like he wasn't even standing there. It was a rough one from Trey. Um, Hunter had a nice stretch at the end of the game offensively. He scored, I believe, seven points in about a minute or so to get to get things pretty interestingly. The Hawks just couldn't get the stops that they needed to, to chip away. They finally got two in a row that kind of really opened the door a little bit for a comeback, but they couldn't get the third stop in a row. 
They got it to like four or five points, six points a couple times. It just wasn't able to go all the way across that. And then Utah scored back-to-back times to go up by seven. Uh, Murray did hit a pull-up three to make it interesting, to get, the, to get them back within four with like 30-ish seconds to go. But the Jazz didn't make the mistake that you kind of have to make in order to come back from, from that level of deficit. And Utah kind of just ran the clock out. Uh, in the fourth quarter, by the way, the Jazz were 14 of 26 from the floor and 7 of 13 from three. That's a huge X factor. The Hawks did actually play, play fairly well on offense in the fourth quarter. They were 29 points on solid efficiency. I will say this, though. The bench, one more time, was 0-6 from the floor with no points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but Nick McMillan, after the game, talked about the lack of stops in the fourth quarter. He was right about that. It was not always pretty. Now, credit to Utah. That's a very good offensive team that's playing very well, and they shot it really well. But the Hawks did have some breakdowns, especially um, in chemo. They just could not get enough stops in that fourth quarter. So we'll get into all of the takeaways now, but it was a maddening kind of roller coaster kind of game where the third quarter was just one thing. And I say the third quarter, it was really like the first eight minutes of the third quarter. Every other, the rest of the game, the Hawks were not the better team. Utah was a better team in this one. Um, offensively on the whole for the entire game, the numbers look just fine. In fact, they look, they look pretty good. A 115 offensive rating in the game. Utah's personnel defensively is not too good, but they haven't been fouling at all. And the Hawks uh, only got 11 free throw attempts in the game. Uh, I saw some people asking me after the game like, about the free throw disparity and the attempts. Like early in the game, obviously Utah was getting the line a ton, but they weren't like terrible calls. Just the Hawks just kind of were over pursuing a little bit. And in general, it's been a theme all, all year long. The Hawks have not gotten to the free throw line. Uh, even Trey, by the way, did not get to the line in this game. Did not take a did not take a free throw. And if Trey's not taking free throws, the Hawks are not going to take free throws because everybody else on the team is either middling or bad at creating free throw attempts. And the Hawks only got eleven of them. They shot pretty well on three. Uh, sorry, on twos, but only twenty nine percent from three. Um, all five starters were at least productive, fifteen points or more for all five of them. But the bench was essentially. Uh, Almost a zero on offense. Justin Holiday had ten points in about a you know about, about one quarter of of spam. But uh, Aaron Holiday two points. Jalen Johnson zero of five from the floor. Andrew Griffin one of five from the floor. Conway a pretty quiet night with only four points. So the bench was kind of just non-existent uh, to go along with a fairly decent production from, from the starters on offense. Um, defensively, it was not good on the whole. Uh, I will say this: the third quarter showed the capability of being good, and the starters were much better than the bench was. In this game, just the most shining example of this, John Collins was plus 19 in a six point loss. So that tells you they were minus 25 with Collins, with Collins off the floor in the game. They had a 120 defensive rating, though. Even when you factor in Utah having a good offense, they do have a good offense. That's too much at home in particular. They got the fouls, they got the fouls under control after the first few minutes of the game, um, but they shot the heck out of him from three. The Jazz were 17 of 39 from three. And again, I mentioned that at the end of the first half, but the Hawks made nine fewer threes than the Jazz, and they made 11 fewer free throw attempts. And you're not going to win if those are your numbers. And uh, those on the margins, by the way, the Jazz also had more assists than the Hawks did in the game. So uh, all kinds of issues. The Hawks did win the glass. That's encouraging on some level, but not by a ton and uh, not quite enough to kind of overcome all the other messes that were happening from the Hawks. So, you know, big picture again, we'll get into the individual, individual players in a moment, but this is uh, not a fantastic performance. I think the bench was certainly to blame for the majority of it, but John Collins didn't play enough, I didn't think. Um, the stars were not great necessarily. In fact, I, I do think that between Collins, Hunter, Capella, and Murray, they all played either average or better basketball. Trey was not good, as we'll come back to in a second. But 
uh, just man for man, Utah just outplayed them, and they, they had no answer for for Laurie Markin in, in this game. Jordan Clarkson was pretty good for the Jazz, and a couple of big shots down the stretch, and they go on the road and get a win. So we'll come back to it in a second with some individual breakdowns. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is in full swing now. In November, Bet Online is the number one source for the information, the trends, the stats, the news, and analysis they're looking for this season. You can follow the latest odds and trends for every professional and college league out there at Bet Online. That includes the latest, not only in basketball, but also in football and soccer and esports and golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, all of that and more at Bet Online. Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you love podcasts about sports as well, you can find all of that at Bet Online. Bet Online has the up to date futures on the NBA as well as live odds. They have all the stuff that you want to see pregame, totals, money lines, spreads, all that fun stuff. Check it all out at Bet Online on your mobile device or computer to learn more about all of the trends and the action across the sports world today. But online, where the game starts. All right, and the players who appeared in this one, uh, only 10 for the Hawks. Uh, no garbage time to speak of. Um, it was a tie for the fewest minutes between Aaron Holiday and A.J. Griffin, which is not a huge surprise. Those guys basically split the ninth, 10th man minutes in this one. And I've said this a few times now, but I uh, will say it one more time. I do believe that if the Hawks are going to play A.J. Griffin more in a non-bogey universe, those minutes are going to come from Aaron Holiday and not Justin Holiday. if I had to guess. Now, it might be some of Justin as well, but uh, I think that Aaron is the guy that they would replace with a little bit more. That was definitely the case here. It was Aaron's spot in the rotation that A.J. kind of took for 10 minutes in this spot. Uh, Aaron was quiet in this one. Uh, he was the best bench player by plus minus because he was playing with the starters. He came in a little bit earlier and a couple of, uh, I think in both halves actually, but had two assists, two points. He was just kind of okay. Didn't do anything great or bad. AJ came back to earth after his performance on Monday. That was always going to happen. He was one of four from three in this one. Some decent looks. I'm not worried about AJ Griffin shooting in any way, shape or form. Three rebounds. It was minus 18 in 10 minutes. That was just kind of be, you know, he's going to have some of those nights. He's 19 years old. No concerns there for me. Um, Jalen Johnson struggled on offense. He was 0-5 from the floor, 0-4 on twos, 0-1 from three. Um, no points, minus 22, a game-worst number there for him. Did have five rebounds, they have a block and a steal. And I think his his flashes on defense have been actually pretty encouraging. Now, it's not, it's not every play, and uh, his off-ball stuff is a bit of an adventure. But when he is dialed in, he has some pretty um, athletic and pretty highlight-popping defensive plays. Uh, the, rest of, the rest of the package is not necessarily fantastic right now, but there's that. Uh, Justin Holiday made shots in the first half and did not make them in the second half. Uh, that was kind of the uh, Jekyll and Hyde of that. I, I will say this even as a uh, as someone who like who likes Justin Holiday, he took two very bad, very questionable shot attempts in the second half of this game that did not really help matters. He missed both of them. Uh, did make two threes in the game. Was four of nine from the floor. Uh, played fine on the whole, I thought, but those were two bad shots that he would probably want back at this point. And then Congo was very quiet. It wasn't like he was terrible by any means. He wasn't. But he was uh, physically overwhelmed a few times by uh, Walker Kessler. He had some issues early in the game with Olenek when he was coming in the game as well. So not the best Kongu game either uh, after he was really, really, really good against Milwaukee on Monday. The starters, again, more positive. We'll save Trey for the very end. Um, but the other four guys at least played um, solid enough basketball. Uh, Murray had 26 points, six rebounds, and five assists. In fact, Murray has scored 20 points or more in seven straight games. That's the second longest streak of his career per Hawks PR. So that's a pretty impressive stretch for him. He played 38 minutes. That's a lot of minutes for him, but he definitely you know, was was good again in this game. This might be minus seven. Those bench units, again, I don't want to blame Murray for them, but he was the only starter that was not in the positive because of those units. Um, I thought Capella, especially in the second half, was very good. 15 points, 19 rebounds in 26 minutes. Had two blocks. 
Uh, first half, he actually wasn't his best. I don't think defensively. Like I'm, I'm always someone who will point out to you like he's better defensively than you might think. First half, not his best. Second half, third quarter in particular, was dominant. Only played four minutes in the fourth quarter. Didn't love that. I think the Hawks did not bring him in fast enough to kind of stop bleeding on defense at times, but he was really good on the whole in this one. DeAndre Hunter had a nice flourish in the fourth quarter, kind of saved his numbers a little bit. 22 points, I believe, uh, at least 10 of them were in the fourth quarter. Um, not a 15 from the floor. Only one or six from three, though, so he was eight of nine on twos. That's actually pretty encouraging for him. That's a lot for three attempts. Uh, familiar refrain, though, no assists, three rebounds for Hunter. Uh, the supporting stuff, not always the best, but I thought he was okay in this one. And then John Collins just didn't play enough once again, but he was more productive though. 15 points, only eight shots though. It's just not enough usage for him. I say it all the time, but it's just still the case. Four rebounds, three assists. And uh, I did not like at all that McMillan did not play him enough in this game. Uh, with Capella, uh, it was more explainable in the fourth quarter, especially when he came back out of the game because they were trying to play small. They were uh, they were losing. They were trying to they were trying to score. But Collins playing 28 minutes in this game is kind of unacceptable for me with only two minutes. Sorry, with only two fouls. Um, yes, they were early, but Collins was very obviously their best option at that spot, and he did not play enough. So I want to at least say that out loud. Plus 19 in a six point loss is uh, kind of a wild one, to be sure. And then Trey Young. So Trey. <laughs> Had some moments in the second half where he kind of found his his scoring a little bit, but uh, if you if you watch this game, you probably would recognize it. I hope he was he was quite bad. I tweeted that during the fourth, uh, I think maybe early in the fourth quarter, and got some flack afterwards about him having twenty two points, etc. Trey was bad in this game. Uh, he he did make some shots late to kind of to help them have a comeback bid, and that's worth noting for sure. And finished with twenty two points, nine assists, two steals, but he was uh, eight of twenty three on two-point attempts in the game. That's a terrible number, obviously. It was two of five on threes, which is actually pretty good, um, but did not take a free throw. Uh, defensively, he was very bad. Mike Conley, who I like quite a bit, always, I've always liked Mike Conley. Mike Conley, at this point, should not be blowing by you off the dribble. That was happening on a regular basis in this game from Trey. Not that it's a shock that Trey's going to struggle on defense, but it was, uh, I thought, notably bad a few times along the way. And the big thing is, Yes, he had a couple of days off. I know McMillan kind of gave him that uh, that pass to some to some extent about him being gassed, but the shooting numbers are pretty ugly. And I, I you know, I, I made it a point on Monday to say this on the show. Like, I am not concerned about Trey. There's like the whole better without Trey thing. I, I'm not going to do that again on the show. But if you missed it, listen to that podcast on Monday. But his shooting is off to a very, very rough start. Now again, Trey and Murray playing together, the numbers have been great all year long. Uh, they had a plus 13-ish net rating coming into the night. I'm sure it did not go down much. They played well together in this game as well. So that pairing is working. And traditionally, Trey's been good no matter what happens. But uh, for the season, I will just give you the numbers. After tonight, Trey is shooting 37.8% from the floor. That'd be a career low by a lot. 31% from three. And that number is not terrible. And like, it's so early. I don't want really to worry about that one. But here's the big one. 41% on twos for the season. Now, for context... The last three years, Trey has been shooting 50.2% from two. That's not like incredible, but for a guy his size and his craft and his passing and all that stuff, it's a totally fine number. 41% on twos is really bad. So I'm not panicking. There's no reason to panic. It's Trey Young. I said this during the game as well, but like he has a three season track record of playing full seasons and being excellent and for my money, being one of the five to 10 best players in the league on offense. So there's no real concern for me, but he has not been good. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Like he, he has been bad by his standards, which are lofty again, by his standards, which are lofty. 
the counting stats are what they are. He's still averaging a lot of points and assists. So like he's going to be able to do that almost no matter what, but the shooting efficiency has been a problem. And if you're wondering why the Trey plus bench units have been bad this year by the numbers, a lot of it's because of Trey. Now the bench has been bad too at times, but Trey has not been his normal self and carrying those units as well. So uh, we'll come back to it for sure in the coming days, maybe even tomorrow after the game. But um, a concerning number, if you want to circle one number that I, that I probably have the most concern with, it's, it's his two-point shooting. Part of that is just like him missing floaters they usually make, so whatever. But three-point shooting, a little bit more elastic. Two-point shooting, pretty bad through 10 games. Uh, so, yeah, 10 games for Trey, 11 for the team at this stage. So anyway, he was bad in this one. He was one of the reasons why they lost this game, and uh, that's just part of the deal. It's going to happen over the, over the course of 82 games, but we'll see if he bounces back on Thursday. Maybe he has a little bit more wind etc. Um, speaking of Thursday, the Hawks will not have too much time to draw up um, a response from this one. In fact, David Millen said uh, they want to flush it was the word that was the phrasing he used after the game, and they will not have time to kind of rest too much here. They actually have a home and home with Philadelphia. Now, the Sixers are not playing exceedingly well this season. That's worth noting. Also, James Harden has been banged up. He is out right now for Philadelphia. And as a result, people have kind of been saying, at least, at least until maybe today, um, Philadelphia is uh, you know, maybe a soft matchup for the Hawks in some ways. Now, the Hawks do match up well with the Sixers. They always have. They beat them in a playoff series famously. They play drop coverage with Embiid. That's something that Trey feasts on. So no one needs to be like worried about this matchup. But the Sixers are still a good team. And this is a back-to-back for the Hawks. Um, it's also a big rest disadvantage for Atlanta. Philadelphia last played on Monday. So they'll actually have two full days off. Um, whereas the Hawks will be playing on the second night of a back-to-back. The home court is very helpful, of course. There's no travel in between games, but uh, we'll see. And then, by the way, after this, the two teams go kind of with each other on Friday. They travel to Philadelphia to play on Saturday. So this is two games and three nights against the Sixers. Um, Philly is 5-6 and six this year. Um, and beat missed four of those games, but came back on Monday and looked pretty good like himself. They beat the Hawks, sorry, they beat the Suns in impressive fashion. So Philadelphia is capable of being good. That you know, Tyrese Max is a really good player as a primary scorer, etc. The Hawks do play well against the Sixers always, but we'll see how they fare in a turnaround spot uh, just about you know 20 hours or so after they lost in pretty maddening fashion to the Jazz on this evening. So keep an eye on that one. We'll have a new podcast as we always do after the show. Uh, sorry, after the game on Thursday evening. One more time at the end of the podcast, I want to plead with you to subscribe to the show across platforms and download and click uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Also spread the word about the podcast. If you know a Hawks fan friend or two that do not have already access to the show, put that, put it in front of them. I definitely appreciate all that. Ratings, reviews, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. We'll see you after the game on Thursday evening.